All right, get your Bible open to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, and also we'll be going into Matthew chapter 16, so you can bookmark that as well. The bottom line up front is Jesus is a transformational leader who inspires us to think, act, and behave in new and different ways. So last week we had our confirmation here at the church, and all of the confirmation uh, youth came forward and they read their statement of faith. Now, afterward, my, my son, who was part of the confirmation class, came up to me and he said, Dad, I don't know how you do that every single time. I don't know how you go up there and preach. And my wife chimed in. She said, you know, like anything else, it just takes practice. And I'll admit, preaching does take practice. It takes time being up here. I, I remember when I first got started, um, I got so nervous that I would physically get sick. And that was probably for the first maybe four or five years. Every single Sunday morning, I'd get sick because I was so nervous that I'd have to come up here and preach. And then I, as I look back at the early sermons that I had, man, they were just absolutely, absolutely terrible. Uh, they worked for me back then because I think expectations were lower. But if I were to preach some of those sermons today, oh man, I don't think anybody would want to listen to them. And here, even in this church, I've had this comment numerous times where people say, you know, you never really were a bad preacher, Tim, but you've really changed. You've really gotten better and, and you changed so much over the last few years. And, and I, I don't think of it as a change that has occurred. I think of it more as a transformation. You know, through the Holy Spirit working through me, I, I've gotten more adept at preaching. Uh, likewise, I, I have more confidence. I don't get physically sick. Uh, I've developed a routine that has enabled me to really focus on preaching and preaching well. And I've also developed my own style. Now, one thing that's interesting is, is right now I'm preaching to a screen and... COVID has really improved my preaching as well. It's transformed me as well because every single week I have to look at me preach and I have to watch myself. And so all the little quirks that I do and things like that, I see that. And then later on, I work to reduce those. And that's transformational as well. See, the thing about transformation is, is we continue to be transformed throughout our lives if we allow ourselves to be transformed. And I think we've all had some sort of experience with transformation throughout our lives. Now, it, it could be when you were a kid, you transform into an adult, or adolescence first, and then into an adult. But I think life transforms us in a number of ways. Uh, going to high school is a transformational experience. Going to college is definitely transformational. Going through marriage or being married is a transformational experience where you have one person working with you and you continue to be molded together. That's hard. Being a parent is transformational. Um, I, I think that we are all in this constant state of change, constant trait of uh, becoming, um, evolving. I, I think spiritually, like what I like to call it is transformation. Now, whatever it is, it fundamentally changes us. Whatever is transforming us fundamentally changes us into uh, somebody who is ultimately new and different from what you were before. And Jesus' disciples, they also have a story of transformation that we see within the gospel. We see them grow up, really, in the faith, go from spiritually immature to people who go forward and change the world. We see them go from uh, fishermen to disciples. And I want to start from the beginning the very first call that Jesus has to the disciples. So if you have your Bible, get it open to Matthew chapter 4, and we're going to be starting in verse 18, and it says, 
As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. And they were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and they followed him. Going on from there, he saw two brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in the boat with their father, Zebedee, and preparing their nets. And Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father, and they followed him. So Peter, Andrew, James, and John. These were really the core people. Um, not necessarily Andrew. He gets kind of lost in obscurity. But Peter, James, and John, they were, they were like the top three disciples. And they were all first century fishermen. Meaning what they would do is they'd go out on their boats early in the morning. They'd cast this big net into the, ocean, or into the lake. Uh, and then they'd pull it back in and whatever fish they caught, they caught. Jesus comes to him and he says, you know, I know you're fishermen, but I'm going to make you fish for men. This is a career change for him, really. They left their nets and they went. I mean, could you imagine uh, the uh, kind of audacity it would take to say, I'm going to give up everything and follow this guy named Jesus? But, you know, when Jesus calls, we have to be willing to give up something that's very important, don't we? The disciples were willing to basically give up their entire livelihood. And so when Jesus calls us today, we should expect no less. You know, we're going to talk about this more, but I want you to know this, that everybody who follows Jesus Christ, everyone who puts their faith in Jesus and is part of the family of God, um, God has a calling for your life. The Holy Spirit has put a desire, a calling onto your life, and it will burn inside you. You will feel a burden to fulfill this calling. Tuck that away for a moment. We're going to come back to that later on in the sermon. So the disciples, they've been training up for three years now. They've been with Jesus day in, day out. Uh, they've been eating meals with them. They've been participating in the ministry. They've been listening to the sermons. They've even been teaching and preaching themselves. Now we're going to fast forward all the way to the end of Matthew. Matthew chapter 28, uh, verses 18 through, through 20. And it says this, it says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority on earth and heaven has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded, and surely I will be with you to the very end of the age. You know, by this time, the disciples had been transformed. They went from fishermen to disciples. They saw the miracles. They saw the resurrection. They heard the stories. They heard the parables. They believed that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. They believed that he is the Messiah. And now they are being sent forward to teach, preach, and baptize. They're really charged to go forward. And I, I think all of this kind of begs the question, how did fishermen change the world? How did random fishermen change the world? You know, the disciples were with them as well. There were other disciples with different occupations. But really, Peter, James, and John were the ones who really uh, went forward. And, and they're the ones that we hear about later on as people who are really movers and shakers within the church. Now, to answer this question of how these fishermen changed the world, we really have to go take a step back in Jewish history and talk about the, the Jewish heroes of the faith. 
And the, the Jewish heroes of the faith, um, really far back, they were all shepherds. Uh, think about this. Moses was a shepherd. David was a shepherd. Uh, Jacob was a shepherd. There were far more shepherds than that. But really, if you were a Jew uh, back then, you were probably a shepherd. It was just part of their culture. And a shepherd's main job was to take care of the flock. Now, it really fits in well with what the Jewish people were called to do because the Jewish people were called to take care of their flock, which was their people. And, and really, they were insulated from the world. They, they tried to keep the, to themselves. They didn't want to crossbreed with other human beings. They wanted to keep it within their family line. They were trained up to be people of the law. They were trained up to be set apart, which means holy, to be the people of God, so that they could achieve the blessings of God. And that's really what they were all about. So they were sort of like shepherds. And the rabbis and the leaders, they were, uh, they were the shepherds, and the people were the sheep. But there's an inherent flaw with this kind of mentality. If you aren't part of the flock, if you're not part of the Jewish people, you really can't become one. You really can't become one. See, the bottom line is the only way to expand a flock is to have lambs. You have to be born into the family of God in this kind of model. So it's very exclusive. And, and so Jesus, he came instead to bring people in. And so what we're going to see is that Jesus transforms God's people, God's messengers, the proclaimer of the good news. He transforms them from shepherds into fishermen. And I want to give you three ways that Jesus leads transformational leadership for the people of God. And the first way is this. Jesus leads transformational uh, leadership uh, for the people of God by being the change he wanted to see. So, question for you. Have you ever experienced trauma in your life? Uh, I I remember I used to be a a climber when I was a kid, a very young kid. I used to climb everything. Um, I would climb poles. I would climb trees. I had no fear of heights or anything like that until the day I climbed up on my grandma's uh, kitchen countertop and I fell off and I knocked the wind out of myself. And now, because of that trauma that I have, I can't get close to any kind of ledge. It's kind of funny, if you ever see me at a mall that's two stories, I'm walking as far away from the, the, the railing on the second story that I can. Uh, I can't go anywhere near uh, a ledge uh, because I get so freaked out. I get so afraid, and this fear comes over me. It's, it's trauma. I, I've been transformed by it. Now, the Jewish people, they have trauma in their life as well, and this explains them a little bit more. I think sometimes when we don't understand people's history, it's hard to understand them, but for the Jewish people, they had trauma because they were God's people. They were doing really well. And then the people of God started falling away from God, and God removed the blessing, and they were taken into exile. They were taken to faraway lands, away from God, away from their land. And the reason is because the people did not follow the laws. They did not follow the commandments. And so later on, what we see is a a remnant of people, a small group of Jewish people who are very dedicated, come back into the land, start building up the wall, start building up the temple again, And they are totally devoted to the law. So much, in fact, that they're like, we will never again get away from the law. And they excluded anybody else who was outside of the Jewish faith. They made sure that they saw saw all Jewish, uh, non-Jewish people as unclean. They were uh, less than. They were not human. They were ungodly. Anybody who was not part of the Jewish faith, they kind of pushed to the side. 
And there was a prejudice that they developed for people who were unclean, for people who are outside of the faith. Now, the Jewish people, they needed to overcome that prejudice, that discrimination against all people who are non-Jewish. And what Jesus really does is he becomes the change that he wants to see. He models how to love people who seem unlovable. He ate with tax collectors and sinners. And, and yes, those were oftentimes Jewish people, but they were also seen as people who are unholy. They were, still, they were seen as unlovable. No one would eat with a tax collector or a sinner. It was not what Jewish people do. But Jesus does it. And he shows the people, this is how you love, for peop- uh, how, how you love people who seem unlovable. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He actually starts to minister to the people who are outside of the Jewish faith. He goes to uh, Gentile areas, Gentile regions. He goes to Samaria, and he ministers there. There's a Canaanite woman who comes forward, and he heals the daughter. There's a centurion who comes and asks Jesus for help, and Jesus helps them by healing one of his servants. See, here's the thing. A, A shepherd cares for their own flock. And so if Jesus adopted that shepherd mentality, he would have said, you know what, I'm not going to go to these outlying areas because these are not my people. But really what Jesus does is he shows a fisherman mentality. He casts the the net wide, and he shows that we are supposed to go into areas where people are not like us because all people deserve to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. See, a, a fisher is way different than a shepherd. A ship, uh, a fisher is persistent. They use lure, uh, bait, to, to get the fish in. They cast the, wet ne- the net wide, and they do it over and over again. Sometimes they do, don't get much. Sometimes they get a wide load. Sometimes they get just a little uh, or medium size. But they continue to throw the net over and bring it back up. See, the goal is to gain more fish. Now, the disciples were fishers, Right? They were fishers. I mean, Jesus had the option. He could have gone out to shepherds and said, come follow me, but he goes out to people who are fishing. And and the reason why is because they already knew how to fish. And Jesus is now modeling how to fish for human beings. And, And what Jesus does is he models this by humanizing the people who are on the outside, by building relationships, by listening to them. What what makes them tick? What what are they all about? He shows compassion for people who seem unlovable. And and the disciples, they start to see this as well. And so they begin to overcome their trauma, the trauma that they have of seeing all people outside of Judaism as unclean. And they start to love and care and reach out to outsiders as well. That's just one of the reasons why Jesus picked fishermen. So we see that Jesus leads transformational change for the people of God by being the change that he wants to to see. But next, we see that Jesus leads that transformational change by um, removing obstacles for transformation. He, he removes the obstacles that keep people from being transformed. So talking about obstacles, um, one of the biggest obstacles that I have in my life, my greatest sin, is my negativity and my criticism. It creeps up on me, I, and I don't, I don't really know where it comes from, but every once in a while, I, I, I'm just pretty negative. And my kids can see it, my wife can see it, and they stop me from spiraling into negativity. I, I think I'm going to be a mean old man someday because I, I, I kind of get grumpy. But 
luckily in my life, I have people who pull me back, hold me in check. Each one of us has our own obstacles in our lives that hold us back, hold us back from being the person that God wants us to be. And it could be something as simple as overeating. It could be our anxiety. It could be our attitude. All of us have obstacles, barriers in our life that keep us from being transformed. Now, the people of God, the greatest obstacle that they had was that they all believed in this shepherd model. And the shepherd model was this, that you tended to your own flock. You gate yourself in for protection. You're very leery of anybody who's on the outside. And this was true for Jewish people, and it's actually true for us in the church today. See, most churches actually have a shepherd model for ministry. We tend to our own congregation. We stay within our church, and we are very leery of people who are new or outsiders. Now, what Jesus does is he shows us that, you know, both models, the shepherd model and the fisherman model, are, are both good, but we need to use them in tandem. We need to put them together. And, and Jesus models this for us. This is part of his transformational leadership. He says, okay, yeah, we can, we can do the shepherd model. In fact, Jesus is called the good shepherd because he cares for his flock. He cared for the Jewish people. He cared for his disciples. But Jesus also teaches his disciples to fish for souls. See, a shepherd cares for God's people, but a fisher focuses on bringing in more. Uh, a shepherd will protect the family of God, but a fisherman will go where the fish are. A shepherd will create a healthy church system, a whole healthy church culture, really. But a fisherman will cast the net wide and bring more people into the fold. See, one of the greatest obstacles that our churches have today is that we forgot how to fish, but we learn we continue to be really good shepherds. We take care of our own, but we're not bringing people in. Now, the disciples embodied this. They, they embodied both the shepherd mentality and also the fisherman mentality, and they went on to change the world. And, and really, that's the challenge for all of us. We need to go where the people are. We need, we need to use the right bait to lure people in. We need to be persistent. We need to be patient. Keep throwing the nets over. Keep pulling them up and fishing for more. Most of us, the biggest obstacle that we face, though, is that we're afraid to share Jesus. We're, we're called to share the gospel, but we're afraid to do it. And if, if you're one of those people who really is afraid to talk about Jesus to your friends, to your family, I want you to just to, to think about this question, this statement. It's, it's a statement, really. How much would you have to hate somebody in order to not share the gospel? Think about that. How much would you have to hate somebody, like really loathe, really despise them in order to not share the gospel? I mean, think about this. If you believe that the gospel brings forward new life, if the gospel allows us to be redeemed and have eternity with God and be part of God's family, if it gives us purpose and meaning, how much would you have to hate somebody not to share that with them? You know, there really is a call for us to go out to people who are lost and lonely. We need to be fishermen. We need to be casting the net out there and reaching out to people who need that new life, who need Jesus. So Jesus removes the obstacles to transformation. And lastly, Jesus leads transformational change for the people of God by inspiring a shared vision. So Meredith and I, we... We had um, competing visions or competing philosophies, really, for our finances. 
uh, we always had these arguments. We, we typically could never talk about finances for, for a good portion of our marriage because it would always start an argument between both of us. And what would happen is I'd get mad and she'd shut down. Now, then we took Financial Peace University. And Financial Peace University was amazing for us. It laid everything out, and it provided us a clear roadmap on, for our future. And what we found was that we really weren't too far off from each other. We actually created a shared vision and a roadmap, and now we can talk about finances. In fact, we have a meeting once a month. We talk about our dreams for our future. We have a plan. And you know what? That changes a marriage when you don't argue over finances. It really does. And see, Jesus casts a vision as well. He gives a roadmap for the people of God. His vision is this. Imagine if God's kingdom was here and now. Imagine if God's kingdom was here on earth, a place where we as human beings put God as our first priority, and we sought to love our neighbor, and we actually showed this love by our behavior, by our actions, by our words. What, what if the kingdom of God was here and we gave generously? We didn't hoard up our materials and our wealth. In fact, we gave it to people who needed it. If we put others above ourselves, if we worked for peace and justice and reconciliation, if we were united under a common goal, if we had our pride and our ego kind of melt away, imagine what this world would be like. See, this vision, it was always sort of outside the grasp of humanity. I mean, the kingdom of heaven, it's a, it's a huge, huge thing, and there's no way that we'll ever achieve that here on earth. But here's the thing, and this is the beauty of Jesus' leadership. He puts it out there as this is the, the pathway forward, and we can actually see glimpses of it. I mean, we can't have it all the time, but Every once in a while, we see the kingdom of heaven here on earth. Every time God's people say a kind word or they sacrifice their resources for the sake of the other. Every time that they serve one another and every time that they submit to one another. See, Jesus' vision inspires us even to this day to bring God's kingdom here on earth. See, when a, when a vision inspires us, when it really captures us, it transforms us. And, and over time at Bloomfield Methodist, we've come up with a vision that we feel God's really anointed. And this vision is to be a, com a church that our community needs. And, and we've lived this out. We've got a blessing box that's going to go out to all the small communities uh, along with Bloomfield. We have had physical changes to our facilities so that we are more welcoming for people when they do come in. We've done small group ministries. We've excelled at small group ministries. We brought kids in from our school. We, we do so many different things that have transformed people's lives. And each time that we see a need in our community, we ask, can we fill that gap? And you know what? This vision to be a church that our community needs, it's always outside of our grasp. We're, we're never going to be quite there. We're never going to be that church that does everything our community needs. But every once in a while, we hit the nail on the head. Every once in a while, we see our church living this out. You know, when our families come in for the, the meals, and we see that on Wednesday night, the people being fed, coming together for community. When we have families that are not arguing anymore because they've gone through Financial Peace University and they have a clear roadmap, that's a glimpse of it. 
when we see physical changes because our people have gone through the Daniel plan, when people finally understand Jesus because they've taken the Alpha course. These are the changes that we see. These are us working toward a shared vision, and we're being transformed by it. And we learn this from Jesus. Jesus is a transformational leader, and he inspires a vision for the people of God to follow. So, I want you to just stop for a moment, and I want you to think about this. You know, suppose worship is over, and you go home, and you have lunch, and then you have dinner, and then you go to bed. You wake up tomorrow morning, and something in your life's been transformed. Some kind of miracle happens while you're asleep, but nobody else really knows about it. But there's a transformation that has occurred in your life. And when you wake up in the morning, you start discovering that this transformation really did happen. I want you to think about what that transformation is and and what's different when you wake up. What are you going to notice? You know, that one miracle happened overnight and you're transformed. What do you notice? What What do other people notice? You know, that is going to be different for all of us. But I think, I think it's part of, partly the Holy Spirit. It prods us. And, and, you know, something came to your mind. Some kind of thing that you, you've been really wrestling with. Something that you want to be transformed with. It came to your mind, and I believe that's the Holy Spirit. All of us need to be transformed in some way. And I believe that the Holy Spirit wants that for us. Just like the disciples were transformed from ordinary men into the disciples who changed the world, God wants you to be transformed as well. See, Jesus fundamentally changed how the people of God viewed uh, their mission. They, they originally viewed their mission as caring for their caring for their flock. But Jesus moved them toward a mission of being fishermen, going forward to look for more people to be saved. And I want you to ask yourself this. What would it look like if we as a church changed our model from a shepherd model to a fisher model? What if we reached out to those who were unlovable? What if we were so inspired by the vision, Jesus' vision of God's kingdom here on earth, that we sought to live that out right here and right now? Could we transform the people in this church? You bet we could. Could we transform this community? Yeah. Could we transform the world? You bet. First century disciples, they transformed the world as well. Jesus did this. He transformed the people, and he empowers us to do the same. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the transformational leadership that Jesus Christ gave. And we ask, Lord, that we will become fishers that we will go out and seek the lost and the lonely, the people who really need it. Lord, help them to find that new life in you. Help us to go forward in faith and boldness, persistence and patience, so that we can help people to find Jesus Christ. We pray this in your name. Amen.